parents want to, uh, I know children may go to children's church and have the rest of you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll begin in verse 1. These are the commands and decrees the law of the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in a land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities which you did not build houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide wells you did not dig vineyards and olive groves you did not plant and then when you eat and are satisfied be careful that you do not forget the lord who brought you out of egypt out of the land of slavery fear the lord your god serve him only and take your no <clears throat> take your oaths in his name do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massah. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on an oath to your forefathers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as we open your word, that if we open our hearts and our minds, that we would hear from you, that we would obey, that we would be different. Challenge us this day. No matter where we're at along this spectrum, just step up to the next level of what you're calling us to. Move as only you can. Holy Spirit. Not only help me to speak your words, but help us to hear your words. That oftentimes are beyond anything I could ever say. We commit ourselves to you right now. In your name. Amen. So today we've listened to some bad dad jokes. And yet the reality is years ago, there were just jokes about bad dads that were not so funny. But what's happened is over the years, there's been this intentional move, this intentional change that has taken away from the old uh, manly cold, calloused, distant, absent father whose only job was just to put food on the table and a roof over your head and never had to interact with you but could just selfishly go do whatever he wanted to do. 
See, fathers today, for the most part, are more involved. They are they're positive, they're encouraging, they're sharing and showing of love. They're recognized that they need to be an active part of parenting. This change that has taken place has taken place in the church as well. And in part because we've heard this message for a long time now, decades, we've heard this message about focusing on the family. So much so that it's become a priority, even our identity. Pew Pew Research Center, when asking how faith influences parental identity, surveyed how many American parents would say that being a mom or a dad is extremely important to their overall identity. Now, not surprisingly, 64% of evangelical Protestant moms said that being a mom is extremely important to their overall identity. But was what was surprising was that 72% of evangelical Protestant dads said that being a dad is extremely important to their overall identity. We've made amazing progress. We've moved, in a sense, from this message of focusing on the family even to family first. It's not just an expression. It's a lifestyle that even the world has grabbed a hold of. I mean, I, I don't have the... Still don't have my computer back, so I would flip through all kinds of things. You could see all these agencies and doctors and chiropractors and banks and funeral homes called Family First. Hey, you know, it's a big kind of emphasis where people have these mottos. It's that, you know, family is not just important, it's everything. And it all sounds good. But is Family First... God's message. I want to give you a little warning here. Because often uh, we find that Christians, especially in evangelical churches, love to hear a message that goes against the politically correct view of the world. Oh, yeah, I love it when they preach. Pastor, the politically correctness, I love that. But for some reason, they're not as excited about when a pastor goes against the religiously correct view of the church that conflicts with the Word of God. Are you with me? This is one of those messages, depending on how steeped you are in churchianity without recognizing it. You see, as dads, we're trying to do our best, especially when many times we really haven't had a lot of direction of what is God's way of doing things. And so all we're doing is just what we're hearing around us and what others are saying. And what we're going to look at in Deuteronomy chapter 6 here today should not just... Don't let it be something that brings us guilt, so to speak, but rather just something that gives us direction. Because sometimes we just haven't heard. And this, obviously, we're applying this to dads today, to husbands Uh, but also to anyone dealing with family that has family that you're involved with. You see, what has happened, and the real question here is that we've had this message of focus on the family for so long, and it was good because it needed to swing the pendulum back 
more towards what God had called uh, us to be. But unfortunately, that pendulum has swung way too far. And that focus on the family message has been distorted so that now the motto, the message is family first. And that message has distracted us from our first love. It should not be, and we're going to look at how we do this today, it should not be family first. The Bible is very clear, it needs to be faith first. That's what Deuteronomy 6 is talking about here. It's talking about family, it's involving family in Deuteronomy 6, but in that part of family it is saying faith first. How do we do that? The first thing we need to do is to live with a real love before God, with, for our God with family. We need to live with a real love for God before our family. Uh, you see this in verses 4 to 6 here. Let's look. In verse 4, Hear, O Israel. This is what he's really just getting to. I want you to get this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Not just something you hear, not just something, oh, that's what we should do, but that you really take inside, that it is a part of who you are, it is what you are, it is why we exist, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. But this whole family first philosophy contradicts that. Although... It's hard for us to even think that. And for some of you, you, you get this, but there are maybe those here today. It just, yeah, but family first sounds, it, it, it sounds right. It, it's kind of like this spiritual sounding version of political correctness that pervades the church. We talk about political correctness, but there's this church correctness that just goes around and we just buy into it. It sounds good. The problem is it's not God's motto of our life. It should be faith first. More specifically, God first. I, I know there are those who would try to argue, well, God is number one. But is He really first? Not just in our head, but with our hands and our heart. Not just with our attitude, but with our actions. Does the amount of time and money and effort that is expended in our life show who comes first? Family or faith? Which one? Where do we have greater attachment to? Which do we have a greater longing for to be with? Our family or Christ? Who or what are we living for? Who are the primary persons or people that you are trying to make happy in your life? And for many, it's family or children. A family that has become our life. When it's Jesus who should be the life, the truth, and the way. But who gets top billing? Well, what is the squeaky wheel that gets oiled? When we're making decisions, who's the first one that really is we're considering? Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying today is this is not about 
that you should not love or that you should stop loving your family. But the, that passage doesn't take away our responsibility to our family. All it does is point out how essential our relationship with Jesus is, first and foremost. That is faith first. And unfortunately, this newfound responsibility fathers have focusing on the family can become the only focus. In some ways, this is similar to the message on Mother's Day that our main priority, that our number one reason for existence is not to be the father to our kids, but rather to be a son to our king. That our primary purpose, our identity, should be rooted in Christ not our kids. And we end up neglecting our responsibility of our relationship to an eternal God. So busy in our relationship to temporary, temporal relationships here. We end up making family a a competing idol. Look at verses 10 to 12 here. When the Lord your God brings you into land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities. You did not build, houses you did not fill, all good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and groves you did not plant. Then you eat or satisfied. Be careful. Here's the point. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We can things are going good and and focusing on our family and seeming like we really got this all together going and we forget the God who gave us all of these things. As it says in verse 13 there, fear the Lord your God, serve Him only. It's not about serving everybody else. It's not about the fear of the Lord your God. Serve Him only. Family first does not seem wrong. It just seems like you're being a good parent. Uh, We're just being responsible. And yet what we're seeing with this philosophy is we're seeing a whole generation leaving the church and never coming back, not just to the church, but not to faith, not even when they have kids. And many would say that they have not left God. But the reality is there is no God in their life that makes any difference in their life. They never opened the Word of God. They don't even know where the Word of God is. It's somewhere in their house. Maybe they rarely say a prayer except for a 911 prayer or maybe at meals. And they rarely speak the name of God in a positive, loving way. Yet they say, I'm a believer. They're missing something. They're missing because it hasn't been passed on. That's the beginning of chapter 6 here. These are the commands in verse 1. The decrees and laws of God, the Lord your God, directed me to teach you to observe in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. These are the laws. These are the things I'm teaching you so that, verse 2, your children... And their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Some of us, when our kids are grown, we look back and wonder why. Why why they're not as serious about their faith as we are. And there are a lot of possible reasons. Uh, I don't understand that. But to our point here, 
One of the reasons is that faith was not seen as real. Your family never saw how serious our faith was because it stayed in our head. It stayed in the private place of our heart, so to speak. God being number one and first love of our life was not dramatically shown. They they did not see this all out, all over, kind of with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my soul kind of love that we have, whether it's through a storm of life or through the calm of life. Faith first was not the message they got or caught. Instead, they caught other messages, good ones. But that's why we need to live with a real love for God first before our family. You see, one of the reasons that faith is dying in these generations is not merely because it's not being passed on, but because parents, uh, in a sense, have this family first philosophy that is showing what great love looks like to our kids, but we're not showing what great love to God looks like to them. We're so focused on family first. It's like this. We uh, go to council. We ride on the airplane, right? You ride on the jet plane, and they, as you start out, they tell you how to put the seatbelt on um, and, and check you again and again. But they also say, should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen mass will come down. And they say very clearly, more than once, parents... Please put the mask on yourself first before you put it on the kids. Why do they have to emphasize that? Why do they have to really just kind of push that? Because you will be no help to your child if you pass out beforehand or if maybe you get the mask on them, but before they have to deal with other problems that are going on with your child, you're gone, you pass out. that's the picture of what is happening in in many of our churches with Christians. We have unselfish parents out of a great love and concern that are putting the mask on their children first. But by doing that, faith is suffering, even suffocating. And it doesn't seem like that big of a deal because it's just for a little bit of time that we've got our kids. But... They don't see a faith to follow that is alive and vital and essential that that matters to you more than anything or anyone in the world. What I want to say to you today is put your mask on first. Live a real love for God before family. Jesus first. Now, perhaps we could say that our example that we've shown to God, that, you know, listen, I have shown an example that God is a part of my life. And the unfortunate thing is that oftentimes children, second and third generation believers will live less of a faith than whatever you have. Unless God really moves and works, in which we want that to happen in their life, but oftentimes they... They will live 
with God as less of a part of their life than their parents. In fact, even to the point that it becomes an optional part of their life. But the problem starts in the fact that, and, and this is something that we don't always catch, God does not want to be a part of your life. Are you hearing me? God does not want to be a part of your life. He wants to be the whole. The all in all. The King of kings. The Lord of lords over everything in our life. And if all we show them is that God is a part of our life, then they will get just a little less than that. And miss it. Too many times we work out this command to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And as we're trying to work this out, we're trying to think, well, how do I do that? How do I love God? How do I balance my love for God and my love for my family? You don't. There is no balance in our life. With the jealous God. Look at verses 13 through 15. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of people around you. And oftentimes, the idol becomes our family, becomes that idol. Verse 15 For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. The reality is that God does not just want to be first. God does not just want to be number one. He wants to be the only one. There's no balancing act that we have to do with Jesus who calls us to surrender our all life, our whole, that he says in Luke 9 that if you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and die. There's no balancing act here. There's no part partial kind of thing that he's calling us to he's calling us to live a real love for god first please understand i don't think at least for most christians that this is about lowering our family or loving them less it's about raising the bar and loving jesus more before our family don't love your family less don't walk out of here thinking that love jesus more in real and tangible ways that's noticed that your faith is first, that it is alive. Not just in our talk, but in our walk. This is so important because it's hard to lead our family when we do not lead ourselves. You know, one of the greatest lessons that our family can learn from us is that we love Jesus more than anything or anyone, including them. Now, that sounds a little cruel. But the alternative is to hide what the Word of God says and to raise up children who are half-hearted in their love for God. Because that's all they know. The first commandment, above all, is to love the Lord your God. Don't misunderstand We want our family to know how much we love them. But it is just as important that they know how much we love Jesus. 
in that it goes way beyond religion. And too often we're good religious people and that's what we get is good religious kids and we're wondering why they're not loving the Lord their God with all they got. We've got to show it. We've got to live it before them. We need to live uh, to live that real love. But we also, and the second point would be this, we need to leave a real love for God first within our families so that God becomes their number one priority. Pew Research found that dads are more likely than moms to spend to say that they spend too little time with children. In fact, 63% of the dads would say they feel like they spend too little time. Only 36% said they spend just the right amount of time. So as dads, we feel like we just got a little bit of time and we want to try to make that time count. But how do we make it count? What are we judging that by? How do we determine what really counts? What comes first as we're trying to deal with family? Uh, we don't want to be selfish and, and that kind of thing. And we want to try to do our best. And what does that mean? And so we think, well, what do the kids want? And what does the wife want? What are the, you know, what? And our focus so much on them that we've forgotten God. We want to give them a million things. You love your family. You want to do everything for them. You want to give them everything. And in that, sometimes God just becomes one of those things that we're giving. It's the point in the beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 6 here. We read verses 1 and 2. Verse 3 says, Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord our God your Father promised you. We don't be able to understand that God instructs and holds parents, and not only parents, I mean, even in verse 2, it's your children and your children's children and grandparents. It, he holds us accountable as the primary teachers and pastors of our children. And unfortunately, the lessons that we're leaving with our families oftentimes have not only strayed away from teaching family values, but even within the church, it's, it, you see families that it's being watered down to where we're just that we're not only not teaching family values, we're just teaching the value of family. Again, I've said, we're not devaluing family here. But we're just teaching the value of family. We've taught them to turn their hearts towards home, but not towards Him. To focus on family first, not faith first. Some might try to argue, you know, well, that's what we're here for. I mean, we're all here on Sunday, it's, 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 and, and you know, Sunday morning, focusing on Jesus. But if that's the only time that we do that, take responsibility, then we're missing out what God is saying here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Look at verse 7. Impress them on your children. Talk, and these are, obviously, verse 6 says, These are the commandments that I give you today. It will be upon your hearts, this whole thing of loving God, which one of the love of the Lord your God. Verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. In other words, as much as you can all the time. 24-7-365. But if all we're thinking is, well, that's what we come here for, and that's all they're getting, at best, even those families that are committed, you're going to have some vacation, you're going to have some sick time with children. That might be 47 weeks that you're, you're in a, a church service. And the reality is that out of that uh, day that is involved, it, 
family might get about one hour of instruction time, actual, actual instruction time, one hour. That means 47 hours a year at best. Less than two full days out of a whole year of instruction leading us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, is what we're getting here. And that's just, for those who are many, it's, it's two times out of a month that we make it. You know, we might make it two times out of the month. So that's 26 hours a year. That's all this is getting. And we wonder why our families didn't turn out right. We took them to church. It's more than that. Hey, even uh, the state of Pennsylvania... You think about school, uh, depending on your age, the requirement is in a school year that you're to get between 900 and 1,000 instructional hours in a year. And some are only getting 26. That's not faith first. God's called us to so much more. He just says right here, anytime, all the time, whenever we can, to be able to speak into the lives of our family. To not be so involved with the good things that we miss out on the God things that's getting pushed out of our schedules when eh, push comes to shove. We show what our priorities are. You know, an example would be sports or other extracurricular activities. Even when we're talking about Sundays. What happens later on is that our kids have seen that church, and to them they equate that with faith because that's the only time they really have anything that is faith-related. Church and faith then is just an alternative activity, a hobby, something that you choose to do or not to do. It's, it's important, but there are other things that are important. It doesn't mean that we never go away on a on a Sunday or on a vacation. Even for us, we, whenever we were away, we found a place to go together, not out of legalism, but out of a love for Christ, as well out of out of a, a desire to at least put a baseline priority on the spiritual. Even if that meant that we left the rest of our extended family that we were visiting behind at the house and we got up and we went to worship, to hear God's word, to be challenged. Because we were not on vacation from God, on vacation from work, on vacation from school, but not on vacation from God. And that meant as well not skipping our daily times with God during that time. Church is not an event, an activity, a service, or, or even an organization like the Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. It's about uh, loving God and loving others. It's about what He's called as a family together that's 24-7. But it obviously needs to go beyond this. And I know that um, there are many, when we start hearing things like this, you notice we started out with jokes, and none of this is real funny, is it? You, you kind of got this, the, the uh, uh, bait and switch there maybe, you feel like. I don't know. 
Because there are some parents that kind of get bent out of shape when pastors start talking this way. Now, some are nice and they just don't say anything too loud. But they get a little bit out of shape. But what's interesting is you don't see the same parents getting bent out of shape and arguing with the coach or their director who says that their children have got to be there if they want to be a part. The coach says, hey, you're either all in or you're out. Isn't that the message of Jesus, though? You're all in or you're out. But others have taken that message. And we just, you know, well, I'm not going to be there for a few weeks. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to, I'm going to be gone. I'm not going to, it's not really that big a deal. Well, then when do we make faith first? Where is our baseline, let alone what else do we do and how are we involved in it? We can come, become so focused that our children learn certain skills and, and abilities that they may only use for the next 60 days. Or perhaps they'll be involved in some activity, something that they're doing that, that they will learn that might help them for, their next, for the next 60 years of their life. Doesn't happen too often, but it may happen that they, something they could learn out there that would help them for the next 60 years of their life. But what we have as a responsibility to fulfill before God is to help them get what they're going to need for the next 60 million years in all of eternity. Sometimes these things of God will take us away from family and family time. And please don't misunderstand, I am not thinking that taking care of our family or doing things with family is not what God is calling us to. That somehow that's not a God thing. God is calling us to do things with our family, to take care of our family and all those things. God is, but there is a priority above all those responsibilities between your social, thinking of how your kids interact socially, how your kids physically are fed, how your kids, all these things, the thing above everything else should be spiritually, faith first. Are we seeking first the kingdom of God? And at times in doing that, showing that example, and even at times bringing our children, our family along with us to seek first the kingdom and to serve the kingdom of God in a way that matters. We so want to give them everything. Why is it we neglect to give them Jesus? Now, here's the thing. Some would say, I I don't neglect to give my kid Jesus. I didn't neglect to give my kid Jesus. You see, they don't see that as happening because my kid accepted Jesus as Savior. I made sure my kid came to know Jesus as Savior. He or she has got Jesus. I gave him Jesus. As if the goal of Christianity and the end of our responsibility as parents is just to get kids saved. Just to get their ticket to heaven punched. And that's good enough. I want you to think about this for a moment. That would be like parents saying, our responsibility is just to make babies. To bring about the birth of a healthy baby, and that's it, and my job is done as a parent. None of us would think that. We would say, wait a minute, we've got to continue to care for them. We help to raise them up um, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially. Where's spiritually our responsibility? 
we miss applying the great commandment of the great commission to our own family that says that we are to go into all the world and make disciples. We're to make disciples. And sometimes we find our children, whether it's regarding what takes place in a church context or in a home context, pushing back on these things, on spiritual matters. I've heard of this happening. Families trying to, to, to try to get their kids to think spiritually and be involved in something. And, and even at a, at a young age, you're like, this is boring. I want to do something else. And the parent gives in. Let's the children be the leader of the home versus what Deuteronomy 6 is saying. We don't let them get out of school because they complain about it. We make them go to school. Why is it we keep them out of God's school? We become like Eli in the book of 1 Samuel and where in chapter 2, verse 29, God says to Eli, you honor your sons more than me. You have put family first above God including in your son's lives. We end up being more concerned about their happiness than their holiness, and we miss out on our highest priority. You know what I say? It's good for kids to be bored. It's good to learn that lesson and how you deal with that. And what happens. And how you're supposed to recognize that life itself is not about trying to make you excited. And trying to make you feel like everything is good. It's not about the outside. It's about the inside. And there should be, if we truly love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. There should be an excitement that is never bored with Jesus because life is real with him life is alive it's vital to get our eyes on that now as we close and ask the worship team to come you know whatever was whatever's happened in your past it's not too late i just want you to know that if you're alive and your family is still alive there is still time to try to live a life that shows that God is first and try to leave a love with your family that would love God as first. But it's not something that we can do in ourselves. We try to do it right, but we know that we mess up, we miss the mark. That's why God has said, I will be with you. Even in that great commission, I will be with you to the end of the age. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We need him. We need the Holy Spirit working in us through us to give us wisdom and power to follow through with this. To make us this day in this sobering message to say, you know what? I'm going to live faith first. And I'm going to leave a faith first thinking within my family. But I can only do that as you help me, God. Father... And this Father's Day, the one we want to honor most above anyone else is the one that we should love above anyone else, and that is you. Help us to honor you. Not just in the words from our lips, but 
our life. The way we live before you, the way we love you, and the way we help our family to learn to love you above all things. Come, Holy Spirit, help us even now to do this.